Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Jason Zelda here with video number two of Understanding the Old Testament. And I just wanted to take some time to let you know this is going to be a little heavy lifting in this video because we're going to be dealing with tearing down some walls that have been built, some ideas and concepts that were placed in your mind. There are some people, a lot of people actually, who watch my videos who are former Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, I've never been a Jehovah's Witness, as many of you know. But I've done a lot of research into the Jehovah's Witness organization and put together a 20-part video that's free on YouTube for anybody to watch called Hidden from Jehovah's Witnesses. And it has been very valuable in helping a lot of people come out of the Jehovah's Witness organization. And I've also had the honor of being able to talk with and meet with some people who've come out of the Jehovah's Witness organization through the video series. And I want to say hello to everybody. How y'all doing out there? It's good to see y'all. We're going to be talking about some serious topics today because before I begin to post the Old Testament I want you guys to have an understanding of the Old Testament when you were in your cult way back when there were some things that were told to you that were not correct getting my paperwork here ready there's some things that were told to you that were not correct a lot of things that were told to you that were not correct and before you can go into an understanding of the good old King James Bible in the Old Testament, it's very important that we deal with two main teachings that they presented to you that were not true. Now, when I say this from the beginning, some of you are going to be taken aback a bit because you've never heard it before. But I want you to understand, I'm going to take you step by step through the Word of God. I am not stepping beyond the parameters of this book. I'm not going to somebody's commentary to get their opinion on what they think the Word of God means. I'm going to take you into this book and let you know what it teaches. Not what somebody else told me. What's in the book. One of the issues that we have today is a lot of people don't have time to sit back and read a book that's this big. They don't have time. So many times they sit back and they rely on other people who they think have studied this book or books that claim to be the Bible. And they can lead you in all kinds of directions. But when you take the time to read the whole thing, you get a whole different perspective than one that just reads a verse here, a verse there, a chapter here, a chapter there, and oftentimes reading it out of order. Most times people read the Bible, they'll read a verse here, a verse there, and they'll close it up, go away for a couple of days, come back, open up to a completely different place, start reading there, read a couple of chapters maybe, then go away for a couple of days, and then come back, open up to a completely different section of the Bible, start reading again, and then they, they start to say, well, I can't understand it. Well, of course you can't understand it. You're reading it out of order got to take the time to go through it. That's why I tell people, get yourself a King James Bible so that you'll know what it says. And what I'm going to show you here today is two things that they taught you inside the cult that were wrong, that's going to need to be cleared up before we can go into the reading of the Old Testament. The first thing that they told you that was not correct is that God the Father is the God of the Old Testament. And that his name is Jehovah. We're going to deal with that in this video. What you're going to learn, ladies and gentlemen, 
I don't really know where this concept that God the Father was the God of the Old Testament and that Jesus is the Lord of the New. I don't know where that came from. When you read this, what you learn is that Jesus Christ is the God of both sides of the book. It begins with him when it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The New Testament tells us that Jesus, the Word of God, created all things, and without him there was nothing made that was made. He created all things. So if the Bible saying in the beginning God created, and then it's saying Jesus created all things, it didn't say he created all other things. It said he created all things. So it begins with Jesus. The Bible ends with Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It begins with Jesus using a title. The word God is a title. It ends with him revealing his name. This whole book is the story of Jesus Christ and his dealings with mankind, Old Testament and New. We're going to deal with this whole issue. I'm going to show you the absolute proof that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. And it's going to be fun. We're going to have some fun. The second thing that they told you that was not true is that in the Old Testament, God used a sacred name. If your background in, in history is Hebrew roots or sacred name, they told you that name was Yahweh. If your background in history is Jehovah's Witness, they told you that the sacred name was Jehovah. If your background is in sacred name or Hebrew roots, they might have said the name was a whole bunch of things. I've been hearing all kinds of names these days being used for the God of the Old Testament. But when you understand the book, when you've read it all the way through, what you learn is something very, very important. In the Old Testament, God used titles through the whole thing and he called the titles his names I'm gonna show you the evidence because what is done in this book is in the Old Testament Jesus used titles called the titles his names in the New Testament you run into titles again but the titles will point you to Jesus Christ in video number one, I showed you something you can do with the King James that you can't do with the new versions. It's something called rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth is this. First of all, you need a Bible that is translated using what is called formal equivalence. That would be this. What formal equivalence is, is as best they could, they tried to make this word for word from the Jewish manuscripts as best they could. Anything they had to add for clarification, they wrote it in italics so that you would know this was added by the translators in order to make the verse understandable. But at least they were honest to write it in italics to let you know where they had to put something in. Being that they tried to make it word for word, you can then match words with identical words throughout the Bible. So the way that you rightly divide the word of truth is you find a word in the King James Bible, 
And you find that identical word somewhere else in the Bible to get the biblical definition of what it means. So what we're going to do, you want to find out who is the God of the Old Testament. Okay, we can do that. The way we're going to do it is we're going to match the words of the Old Testament with the identical words in the New. We're going to match phrases from the Old Testament with the identical phrases that show up in the New Testament. And we're going to match verses in the Old Testament with the identical verses that appear in the New. And what you're going to see is that in the Old Testament, God used titles. In the New Testament, the titles appear again and they point you to one person. And that's Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of this book is to guide you and lead you to Jesus Christ. If you're reading this book, Old Testament or New, and you don't see Jesus in here, we got to remove the filter so that you can see him. One of the filters they put on your mind was the filter that God the Father was the God of the Old Testament. This is why that can't be true. Number one, we're going to get to Jesus dealing with that issue. But let me just hit you with one right from the very top. If God the Father is the God of the Old Testament, then we've got a big problem. Big one. The Bible in two places says, no man has seen God at any time. Now, when the Bible says something one time, it's strong. If the Bible says something twice, it's really trying to get your attention. Twice the Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. Now the King James Bible, unlike the new versions, which take a lot of stuff out of the Bible, the King James Bible leaves the stuff in. I've told people a long time, this King James Bible is translated from completely different manuscripts than the new Bible versions. They rely on the Catholic manuscripts. The King James Bible relies on the Jewish manuscripts. Now, what we're dealing with is this. Who's the God of the Old Testament? We're going to find out in just a moment. This book's going to reveal it to you. We're going to match the words with the words, the verses with the verses, the phrases with the phrases. The Bible tells us no man has seen God at any time. This King James Bible teaches a doctrine called the Godhead. In our modern day, they call it the Trinity. I choose to stick with the Bible term, the Godhead. In 1 John 5, 7 and 8 in the King James Bible, it explains the Godhead. It says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And the next verse says, And there are three that bears witness on earth, the Spirit, the blood, and the water, and these three agree in one. So you have in here a heavenly reference and an earthly reference, clearly defined. The New Bible versions don't even bother trying to look up those verses because they have literally took a knife to verse number 7 and verse number 8, and they cut out the heaven and earth reference and they removed the Godhead because they don't like the teaching. But the Bible clearly teaches that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the one God in 1 John 5, 7. And here on your screen is seven, at least seven, early references of people quoting 
the three are one. Quoting from the scriptures. So when somebody tried to tell you that this was added to the King James Bible later, you can point to them and say, somebody gave you some bad information, my friend, because there's at least seven sources right here that dates back to the early days of people quoting 1 John 5, 7. So since the Bible clearly teaches us that there's three that bears record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, if God the Father, then, is the God of the Old Testament, we've got a problem. Because in Exodus chapter 6, God says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by the name God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known of them. So if this is God the Father, then you have God the Father appearing in the book of Exodus. You then have Jesus appearing in the New Testament, physically appearing. And you have the Holy Spirit being seen. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. All three members of the Godhead showing up. And then the Bible saying, no man has seen God at any time. By saying that the Father is the God of the Old Testament, it creates an unnecessary contradiction in the Bible. You don't have to go there. What we need is we need the words of Jesus to correct this issue. And that's what we're going to do. Jesus spoke clearly on the issue as to who is the God of the Old Testament. I got all my notes here, so I want to make sure I stay on point because I don't want the video to go on too long. In the Old Testament, there's at least 10 occurrences where it says the Lord appeared. Two times it says God appeared. And three instances of people, three instances of people saying, I saw the Lord. If this is the Father, we've got a problem. But if it's Jesus, then we're in the clear. Because if you've seen God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, but the Father hasn't been seen, well, since the three are one, if you've only seen two out of three, you still haven't seen God in his fullness. So the Bible is still correct by saying no man has seen God, because you may have seen God the Son, you may have seen God the Spirit, but you haven't seen God the Father. So you haven't seen God in his fullness yet. And the Bible is correct. This one, when it says no man has seen God any time, and yet Jesus Christ can be seen, the Holy Spirit can be seen, the Father has not been seen yet, he'll be showing up at the very end. What I'm wanting you all to understand is this. Jesus Christ is the creator. He created all things. This whole universe, the planets, the stars, the people, the life, the non-life, everything that's here was made by Jesus. This is his project. He can do with it whatever he wants. It's like somebody coming into your house and trying to tell you how to run your house. You're not going to allow that. This is your house. You pay the bills there. This universe is the creation of Jesus Christ. He gets to make the rules. We humans may not like some of the things that he did. Some of the angels might not have liked some of the things that he did, and they rebelled. But this is his house, and nobody's going to tell him how to run it. 
We need to understand that. We should be happy that he's even allowed us to be on the stage. He didn't have to. He's granted all of us life, breath, friends. If you're watching this, internet capabilities to communicate. The many blessings that you have, your next heartbeat is in his hand. Your next breath is in his hand. He calls the shots, not us. We need to understand and respect him for who he is. And I want to begin to show you who he is so that when we start going through the Old Testament, you will know when you're talking about God, when you're talking about the Lord, the Savior, the Almighty, the Mighty, the Lord of Hosts, all these titles he used in the Old Testament. It's talking about Jesus. So let's go to it, guys. Here we go. How do we know that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament? I got here chapter and verse from the Bible. If you're wondering what I'm looking at here, chapters and verses from the Bible. I told you, I'm not going beyond the parameters of this book. I'm going to be putting the chapters and verses on the screen. So you can see. Because a lot of you have never been told that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. You were told the Father was. I want to show you that Jesus is the Word of God. He is the Word of God. It's all about him, cover to cover. We're going to start in the book of John, chapter 5. Grab your King James Bible, bust it open, and let's start to clear out some of that bad information you were given when you were in the cult and find out what the Bible actually teaches about who Jesus is. Because I think when this is all said and done, you're going to have a new reverence for Jesus. You're going to have a new love for Jesus. And hopefully you'll have a new respect for this King James Bible. And the next time you hear somebody out there cursing and swearing, using the name of Jesus Christ as a curse word, something inside you should just grieve that they would take the holy name of Jesus and reduce it down to the level of a curse word. If we want to know who the God of the Old Testament is, we're going to rightly divide the scripture, comparing the words of the Old Testament with the words of the New. But first, I want us to hear from Jesus. John chapter 5, starting at verse 39, Jesus says this. When Jesus walked the earth, the only scripture that was available at that time was the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. The Old Testament was all that was available at that time. So when he's talking about the scripture, he's talking about the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Listen to what he says concerning the scripture. John chapter 5, put it on the screen, please. It says, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Jesus said the scriptures, which at that time would have been the Old Testament, testified of him. He didn't say they testified of the works of my father. He didn't say they testified of my father. He said nothing about his father. He said the scriptures testify of him. What's a testimony? Telling your story. The scriptures, the Old Testament of this book, testifies 
of the story of Jesus Christ, creator of the universe. You see, when he created all this, he created it for a reason. Special reason. He had a very special plan for the human race. But before he can unleash the plan, he had to make sure he could trust us because we are intelligent beings with free will. Angels are intelligent beings with free will also. The problem with creating a being that's intelligent and has free will is you run the risk that that being can turn on you. And that's what happened. Some of the angels rebelled, came down here, and began turning to humans against Jesus. It's continuing to go on today. Nothing's changed. When things begin to go wrong, since this entire universe is his project, he didn't hand the ball off to his father and say, I need some help here. No. He took it upon himself. This is my project. I'm going to fix it. I didn't break it, but I'm going to fix it. That's the way you should look at it. He had to do some judging in the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you do, and I'm going to explain that in a little bit. So he says here, the scriptures testify of him. John chapter 5, verse 39. When the Bible says something one time, it's good. It's strong. If it says it twice, it's really trying to get your attention. So here comes Jesus again. John chapter 5, verse 45 and 46. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Moses wrote of Jesus? Mm-hmm. What did Moses write? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. What happens in the first five books of the Bible? The creation, the fall of man, God judging mankind and judging the servant, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, the great flood, the raising up of the children of Israel, freeing them from African slavery in Egypt and bringing them to the promised land. And once they got there, they were too scared to go in because there were alien beings living there. And they were too scared to go in. And if you think I'm joking, it's in here. Genesis chapter 6 told you that the sons of God, fallen angels, came down here and they began to sexually commingle with the females, giving birth to what the King James Bible calls giants. Half human, half angel beings. It sounds crazy to us today, except for the fact that there are structures around the world that are giant in size and we can't figure out who built them, how they built them, or why. No technology left behind to explain how they built these things, why they built them, how they even designed them. The Bible gives us an explanation. And there are many cultures around the world that talk about the gods that came down and intermingled with the human females giving birth to hybrid beings. It's not just Christianity. 
actually, this was before Christ brought Christianity to us and gave us the fulfillment of the word. This is back in the early Judaism days. Genesis chapter 6. Might sound crazy to us, but we can't explain those buildings, those structures, and what they did, what they were, why they were made. And there are mysteries all over this world that we can't figure out how they were designed, who built them, and they're giant in size. When they got to the promised land, they looked in there and the Bible says they sent in spies, 12 spies, to seek out the land. And when they came out, they took a cluster of grapes out with them. And the cluster of grape was so big, it took two strong men with a rod on their shoulders to carry it out. When you go to the store and get a cluster of grapes, you don't need two strong men that work for the store to put in your car. Why were the grapes so big that it took two strong men with a rod to carry it on their shoulder? They were dealing with genetically modified beings, and they were too scared to go in. So Jesus made them walk around in a circle in the desert for 40 years until the next generation came, and the next generation would go in and fight. We need to understand what this book's about. This is Old Testament stuff I'm dealing with. I'm told you, this is heavy lifted. This is not the light stuff. We need to understand who Jesus is. So he said Moses wrote of him. First five books of the Bible. So as we go through the first five books of the Bible in audio form, when you hear him talking about God, the Lord God, God Almighty, Jehovah, all these terms that are used in the Old Testament, all these titles that he used, including the name Jehovah, which is a title, and we're going to deal with that. That's not his proper name, like a guy's named Steve or Kevin or Tom. No, the word Jehovah is a Hebrew term that means the Lord. And it was supposed to be that when people read through the Old Testament and they heard God calling himself this Hebrew term that means the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, that when they got to the New Testament and they ran into the Lord, Jesus Christ, they would go, Jesus is Lord. But religion got involved. And they took that title that Jesus used, which means the Lord, and they stripped it away from him and gave it to the Father and screwed up the whole pattern that Jesus was laying down of using titles throughout the Old Testament so that those titles would lead you to him in the New Testament. We're straightening that out here. I want you to know who Jesus is. Step one, he said, the scriptures testify of him, John chapter 5, verse 37, I'm sorry, verse uh, 39. John chapter 5, verse 45 and 46, he says, if you believed in Moses, you'd believe in me because he wrote of me. Now we know Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Jesus said that was written about him. So the flood in the days of Noah, that was Jesus. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a tag team. Because if you read closely, it says, put it on the screen. And the Lord rained down fire from the Lord in heaven. 
What was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah that made God so angry that two members of the Godhead said, you know what? We're going to wipe this place out together. And this is what it looks like today. This is the actual city of Sodom. It's been found. And just as the Bible says, it is covered in brimstone, what we call sulfur. It's got sulfur balls all over it. If you want to see this in more detail, check out my video called Answering the Atheist, video number two. I show you videos of people who went into the ruins of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and shows you the evidence that this is the actual places mentioned in the Bible. I've had people tell me they would never worship a God like the God of the Old Testament. When you understand that the God of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ, let's see if you still feel that way. There's people who have a misunderstanding about who Jesus is. You've heard him say twice now that the scripture testifies of him. Twice. If the Bible says it twice, it's really trying to get through to you. How about if it says it three times? What if Jesus said three times that the scripture was about him? Three times? Let's take a look. Open up to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 24 to 27. You're going to love this, folks. I'm wanting you to love this book and the God of this book. I want you to understand who he is. I want you to understand who he is. It's not the Father in the Old Testament. It's Jesus. And I'm telling you, we're going to hit it, and we're going to hit it hard. And for some, it's going to be hard to take in because all these years you've been told it was the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. You let God's word be true, and every man be a liar. This book does not back that God the Father is the God of the Old Testament. You've got already two verses, two sections of the Bible here, where Jesus is saying the scriptures about him. I'm about to give you a third. I'm not mad at you guys. Don't think I'm mad at you. Don't confuse passion with anger. I'm not angry at you. I'm wanting you to understand this. Because once you realize that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, and yes, he's a God of love, no doubt about it, but that's not all that he is. And what's happened in our world today is they have lost the reverent fear of God. That's why they can walk around and use the name of Jesus Christ as a curse word because they have no reverence for him anymore. And I lay it at the feet of these fake TV preachers, fake radio preachers, fake cable preachers, and fake Bible versions. There's some good preachers out there. I'm not throwing them all into the same bin. 
but I lay it at the feet of those They've distorted the word of God. They've allowed the cults to come in unchecked. You can go into church after church after church and you will not hear a word in many churches about the cults. That's how come the cults are allowed to grow. Their congregations are not warned about them. Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament and that's going to help out a lot of people. I'm telling you, it's going to break through the wall. Nobody's seen the Father yet. It's going to be great when we finally get a chance to see the Father. But he's not showing up until the very end. Because this project, this universe, is Jesus' project. And we're not going to be shown the Father until this project has run its course. Our dealings is with Jesus. Jesus will lead us to the Father. But you're not going to bypass Jesus and go straight to the Father if the cults will have you try to do. It's not going to work. Here's the third mention of Jesus Christ that he is who the Old Testament is about. Luke 24, 24 to 27. Again, Bible verses. I'm not reading something somebody else wrote. Bible verses. It saved me time from having to keep flipping through. Just put it up on the screen. Jesus had been crucified. They saw him die. They saw him buried in a cave. Three days later, they get a report that some women had gone to the tomb. His grave clothes were there, but he wasn't. They race to the tomb. They find it exactly as she said. And now they're trying to figure out what's going on. Jesus approaches them and we pick it up. Certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, so now Jesus is speaking to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Do you know what this is telling you? Beginning with Moses, that's the beginning of the Old Testament, and the prophets, and all the prophets, that's Isaiah to Malachi, that's the end of the Old Testament. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. Jesus just told you what books belong in the Old Testament. It will begin with the books of Moses. The Old Testament will end with the books of the prophets. And the books that are in between are the scripture. The writings of Moses are scripture. The prophets of scripture and those books that are in between of the scripture, just like it is in here. It did not say beginning with Moses and ending with the Apocrypha, which was written after Old Testament times. He didn't say that. Neither did he mention the book of Enoch or the book of Jasher or any of these other so-called extra biblical books. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, all the prophets. He expounded to them through all all the scripture, the things concerning who? 
himself, not his father. He took them from Genesis to Malachi and showed them himself through the whole Old Testament. If the Bible says it three times, I believe it's enough. But I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. We're going to rightly divide the word of truth. And I'm going to show you what I meant when I said in the Old Testament, Jesus used titles. He refused to give man his name. I mean, after all, what happened when he did finally give man his name? Jesus, what do we do with it? Come on. What did we do when we finally got the name? They use it as a curse word. They use it to put people down. They attack that name. And now there are movements around that tell you, no, man, that's the wrong name, man. You're supposed to be using Yeshua, Yahashua, Yehoshua. They don't even want you using the name. After he went through all the trouble to get us the name. We're going to deal with it in a moment. Gloves are off. But it's loving hands. I'm not here to hurt anybody. I want to reach you guys. I really want it to be that when you're listening to the Old Testament, that you just fall in love with the God of this book. And if you're going through the Old Testament and you're thinking it's the Father, you're already on the wrong track. But when you understand that it's Jesus doing all these things, yes, if there's not a level of reverence that comes when you understand that he's a God of love, yes, and he's a God of judgment, too, he's not going to let you run over him. He's not going to let mankind run over him. He makes the rules. He sets the rules. We can follow them or we can choose not to follow them. We have free will. But there are consequences for not following his rules. That's all. We got to understand that. You may not like some of the things he did in the Old Testament. It's still Jesus. You can choose him or you can reject him. But you need to know who he is. Don't try to put it off on somebody else. He said the scriptures is about him. He said Moses wrote of him. The prophets wrote of him. And he expounded through all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Not a word about his father. His father's waiting in the wings. For Jesus to finish his project. And his project... She's trying to reach you. Is there somebody out there that's not going to reject his name? Not going to accept some other name in his place? Is there somebody out there that's not going to say his words too hard to read, too hard to understand, not for today, too archaic, written from inferior manuscripts, inferior scholarship? Or are they going to understand that this world has been attacking this book because this book is the word of God? And they don't want you to read it. 
there's something that's been happening recently I'm going to deal with in a moment with the makers of these new Bible versions deciding that they're going to do a direct frontal attack on my King James Bible by coming out with fake Bibles and calling them King James's. Why come out with a modern Bible version and call it the King James when it has nothing to do with the real King James? And they say the King James is too old and too archaic and not for today and all that. Why? come out with a modern Bible translation and try to pass it off as being a King James Bible. I'm exposing them in this video. I don't, I don't play that, man. This is the Word of God. Authorized King James Bible. Don't accept a counterfeit. And as of right now, I'm noticing, as of late, a lot of counterfeits coming out. They're not calling themselves authorized King James Version, but they are calling themselves King James Versions. And I want to warn you about those when the time comes. For right now, we're going to point out, rightly dividing, the word of truth, showing you who Jesus is in the Old Testament. Matching the words with the words, the phrases with the phrases, and the verses with the verses. I'm going to put these on the screen so that you can see. Old Testament saying this, New Testament says it's Jesus. Old Testament says God is this. New Testament says Jesus is the same thing. Old Testament says God said this. New Testament shows you that Jesus is saying it. It's beautiful. How this Bible is put together. Watch. Again. Scriptures. I'm not reading somebody else's notes. I'm reading the word of God. I had to print it out because there's so many scriptures here. I'd be flipping through my King James all day. Don't want anybody to think I'm reading somebody else's notes. In the Old Testament, God is called the Lord of Lords. Lord of Lords is a title. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, and Psalms 136.3. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the Lord of Lords. 1 Timothy 6.15, Revelation 17.14, and Revelation 19.16. In the Old Testament, God is called the first and last. The first and the last is a title. Isaiah 44.6. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the first and the last. In the Old Testament... God is called the Creator with a capital C in the King James Bible. Ecclesiastes 12.1 In John 1.3, Jesus Christ is called the Creator. In the Old Testament, God is called the Light. Psalms 27.1, Isaiah 60.20 And again, I'm not going through every verse that has these terms in it, or I would be sitting here for a long time. So I'm getting you to meat and potatoes. Jesus Christ is called the light in John chapter 8, verse 12. Light is a title. The New Testament tells you who the title is talking about. In the Old Testament, God is called the judge. Judge is a title. Genesis 18, 25. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the judge. 1 Corinthians 5, 10. The judgment seat of Christ. In the Old Testament, God is called the Savior with a capital S. Savior is a title. 
Isaiah 45:21. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the Savior, John 4:42. In the Old Testament, God is called the Prince with a capital P. Daniel 9:25. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the Prince. Acts 3:15. In the Old Testament, God is called the Rock with a capital R. The Rock is a title. Deuteronomy 32.4 In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10.4 Jesus is called the Rock. In the Old Testament, God called himself I Am. When Moses asked him directly, What is thy name? God said, I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent thee. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. In the New Testament, Jesus identifies himself as the I Am. John 8, 58. And the religious leaders knew that by him calling himself the I Am, he was claiming to be God, so they set out to kill him. Because in that day, a man claiming to be God was a capital crime. But Jesus never lied. So if Jesus was claiming to be God to the point that the religious leaders wanted to kill him because it's a capital crime to claim to be God, Jesus never lied. So who must Jesus be? In the Old Testament, God is called the Shepherd with a capital S, Psalms 81. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the Shepherd, 1 Peter 5.4. Simply matching the words with the words, the phrases with the phrases, and the verses with the verses, so you can understand who the Old Testament is talking about. The Old Testament is a light. The New Testament is a mirror that reflects back and lets you see what the Old Testament is talking about. In the Old Testament, God calls himself the Almighty. Genesis 17.1 Almighty is a title. In the New Testament, Jesus identifies himself as the Almighty. Revelation 1.8 in the King James Bible. In the Old Testament, God is identified as the cornerstone. Cornerstone is a title. Psalms 118.22 Jesus is identified as the cornerstone. Matthew 21.42 In the Old Testament, God is identified as the prophet. Deuteronomy 18.15 in the New Testament, John 7:40, Jesus is identified as You got it. The prophet. Now you know who the prophet of the Old Testament was. In the Old Testament, God is called the Great God. Great God is a title. Psalms 95:3. In the New Testament, it talks about the lamb of God. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Throughout the book of Revelation, talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb, capital L. Revelation nineteen seventeen. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It says the supper of the great God. Now you know who the great God of the Old Testament is. In the Old Testament, God is called righteousness. Righteousness is a title. Righteous. He's called righteous. Righteous is a title. 
Jeremiah 23, 6. In the New Testament, Jesus is called righteous. Matthew 6, 20, uh, 6 33. I'm trying to establish through these verses to let you see that in the Old Testament, Jesus used titles. In the New Testament, he brought the titles back so that you could see that the titles were talking about him, not his father. In the Old Testament, God said, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Ah, we've got a phrase. Does that phrase show up in the New Testament to give you a deeper understanding of what's being talked about? Yes. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see how the New Testament brings it out and expounds on it so that you can know who every knee is going to bow to. It's awesome, man. This book is... It's deep. You got to know how to put the pieces together. And in order to put the pieces together, you have to take the time to read it all the way through. And sometimes you got to read it through three or four or more times. Because there's so much in there, it's very easy to have your mind wander a little bit while you're reading and miss something. I'm putting the links together so that you can see who the God of the Old Testament is. In the Old Testament, God said that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver and the silver would end up with the potter. Zechariah 11:13. The price at which I was prized, God said. The 30 pieces of silver, it's right there. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is sold for 30 pieces of silver. And the religious leaders took the silver and they bought the potter's field, which became known as the field of blood. God said he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And he was. He said the money would end up with the potter. And it did. In the Old Testament, God called himself God. God is a title. In the New Testament, Jesus is called God. 1 Timothy 3.16 Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The makers of the New Bible versions hate that verse. So they changed it so that it doesn't say God was manifest in the flesh anymore. They changed it to a generic term. He appeared in the body. Who appeared in the body? Doesn't say in the new versions. But in this, it doesn't hide who was manifest in the flesh. As clear as day, God was manifest in the flesh. No question as to who Jesus is. And lastly, and there's plenty of more titles, but I think going through, how many do I have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nine, twenty. 
20 instances where a title, a phrase, or a verse from the Old Testament using a title is brought to light in the New Testament as being Jesus Christ. I think 20 should be enough. Just like in the video series, 20 should be enough. 20 should be enough to show you. This last one is Jehovah. Yes, that title, Jehovah. Not his proper name. The title, Jehovah. We're going to deal with it in a moment. Where did it come from? We're going to deal with it. Some of you who are uh, XJWs, you may remember the Watchtower claimed that that name was invented by a Catholic monk. I have a question for you. Why did you believe them? You know they're liars. That's why you left the group. Why did you believe them? The name didn't come from a Catholic monk. I'm going to show you the proof. I'll show you the proof. But in Exodus 6.3, in the Old Testament, God used the title Jehovah, which is a Hebrew term that means the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10 to 12, and Psalms 102, we're going to deal with uh, both of those in just a moment as we rightly divide the word of truth and help you understand that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. And who identifies him as the God of the Old Testament? None other than God the Father himself. This is a verse that uh, I am going to open my Bible for. And what I want you to do is I want you to put your finger in Psalms 102 in the Old Testament. Psalms 102. And on the New Testament, we're going to match it with Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews is back near the book of Revelation. Okay. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to go in the Old Testament to Psalms 102. Got my King James here. I got mine divided on the both sides. We're going to rightly divide the word of truth and understand who Jesus is. Let me put this piece of paper in here so that I can mark my space here. We're going to open up to Psalms chapter 102. And you're going to find that God in the New Testament quotes Psalms 102. And equates Psalms 102 to Jesus Christ. The entire psalm of Psalms 102 is a prayer to God. When you get down to verse number 25... This is what it says. Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. And thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Remember these words. Thou of old thou hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, thou shalt endure, yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture 
shall thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. We now go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Let me get my paperwork back over here. Hebrews chapter 1. We have God the Father speaking to Jesus Christ. And in this, he's going to quote Psalms 102. But before he gets to quoting Psalms 102, when he's talking about Jesus, he makes another statement. And I want you to see it. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. And we're going to read on to verse 12. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Let's stop there for a moment. Did God the Father just call Jesus God? Someone say, how do we know it's God the Father speaking? Okay, we will rewind back. We'll go back a ways. And we'll start at verse number one. Let's read it in its context. Let's read it in the context. I don't want anybody to accuse me of taking the Bible out of context. We're going to see this, the Father speaking. So I'll start at verse one and read it in its context. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. Who are they talking about? He appointed his Son. They're talking about the Father. Who being the brightness of his glory, speaking of Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made much better than the angels, as he hath an inheritance, obtained more, a more excellent name than they. Better than the angels, which means he's not an angel, Jehovah's Witnesses? For unto which of the angels saith he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He's making it clear, Jesus is no angel. Now watch. And again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he saith, let all the angels of God worship him. God the Father commands the angels to worship Jesus. Shouldn't have to. He's the creator. They know to worship him. But God is making a statement. You worship God. God the Father told the angels worship Jesus. Who does that make Jesus then? You can say it. Because God's about to say it. It makes Jesus God. Watch. And again, verse 6. When he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, let all the angels of God worship him. Verse 7. 
And of the angels, he saith, who make of his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son. See, he's making a distinction between angels and Jesus. Jesus is not the archangel Michael. A clear distinction is being made here by the Father as to who Jesus is. Listen to who the Father says he is. Verse 8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. God the Father calls Jesus God. And Jesus calls the Father God. Why? Because they're both God. You see it right there on your screen. If God the Father can tell the angels, worship Jesus. And God himself calls Jesus God. How much more should we humans, who are lower than angels, identify Jesus as being God? But he's not done. Unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus has a throne? Yes. And he's called God by the Father? Yes. And he's not done. Unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Jesus has a kingdom. Yes. Keep going. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Did God the Father just call Jesus God twice and then call himself God too? Yes. We Christians did not invent the doctrine of the Godhead or the Trinity, as it's often called. When you read in the Bible clear verses like this, what other conclusion are you supposed to come to? The Bible said there's only one God, yet we have God the Father calling the Son God. We have the Son calling the Father God. Then you have 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And you put it together and goes, three are one. God's word said so, good enough for me. People say, I don't understand that Trinity stuff. Okay, let me see if I can help you out. Real easy. We are told that there are 7 billion people, what, 8 billion people on this planet, right? How many races? 8 billion people, how many races? One. The human race. Now, within the human race, there's a lot of difference. Difference in look, difference in location, difference in language, difference in ability, difference in knowledge. They're still human. We all share the same nature. You got to drink water? I got to drink water. You got to sleep? I got to sleep. You got to eat? I got to eat. You got to breathe? I got to breathe. There's all things that you and I share. You're over there. I'm over here. But we're still human. We share the same nature. And what the Bible is telling us, that the being that we call God, his nature, there are three beings that share that nature. How many bodies do you have? One. How many parts make up that one body? 
lots of parts make up one body? We can understand that. So why is it so hard to understand that the one God consists of three separate parts? They all share the same nature. They are eternal beings, immortal beings. They have powers and abilities that we can't comprehend. They are infinite. They are God. We will never be on that level. As much as men want to be gods, good luck, boys. Ain't going to make it. Ain't going to make it. But you see, the God of heaven was kind enough to us that he left heaven and came down here. He left heaven and came down here and took on our form. You see, while men are so busy wanting to become God, they think it's going to be so great to be God. The God in heaven is like, you know what? Being God is... I'm going to become a man. See what it's like. Go down there and help them. One of the most beautiful things, and I'm going to get back to this. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, God coming down. That's going to touch you. Hopefully I can remember before this video ends because I can look at my camera now and it's saying I've been filming for over an hour. So I need to get down to business here. Let me get back in here. Hebrews chapter 1, continuing on with what God is saying about Jesus. Unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast... Now he's quoting Psalms 102. Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as a garment, and as a vesture shall thou fold them up. They shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. God the Father just quoted Psalms 102, and equated it to Jesus Christ. Psalms 102 is a prayer to God. Old Testament. God the Father just showed you that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament, not him. The Old Testament is about Jesus. Jesus said so. He said Moses wrote of him. He said the prophets wrote of him. And then he went through the scriptures from Moses to the prophets and all that's in between and explained to them the things concerning himself. When we go through the Old Testament, I want you to understand that the Old Testament is about Jesus. What am I looking down at? I'm looking down at my King James Bible. I want to see if I can find something before I end this video. There are some that teach that uh, 
at the end that there's going to be an elite group of people that are going to rule over everybody on earth and uh, a lot of religions follow that philosophy the Mormons teach that in the end you're going to stand before Joseph Smith and Jesus the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that at the end the governing body is going to rule with Christ all these religions teach that their religious leader is going to rule with Christ. While everybody else is just a bunch of nickel and diamonds down on the earth. What about what the Bible says? I like this. Some of you have not seen it. So let me go ahead and show it to you. And then we'll end this video and we're going to deal with the name Jehovah and Yahweh and all that on the next video. I thought I could do it here. I don't want to scratch this video out too long. It's not right for me to take so much of you guys' time. So let me go ahead and deal with this right here. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Does that sound to you like an elite group of people sitting up in the heavens ruling over everyone else? Or does that sound like God, Jesus Christ, and God the Father? Because this is the end. This is after this whole universe is done. After Jesus' project is over, the Father is finally revealed. In the flesh, you can't see the Father. You will die. In the Old Testament, book of Exodus, when the people demanded that Moses allow them to see God which we know now is Jesus because Jesus said Moses wrote of me when Jesus came down upon Mount Sinai in Arabia as the Bible says Sinai is in Arabia it's not in Egypt as the Catholic Church teaches the Bible says Sinai is in Arabia and it's been found there's videos about it again you can check my answering the atheist video series and you'll see it the Arabian government even put a big barbed wire fence around it so nobody can cross over. You can see the, the, the uh, altar where they put the golden calf and the Egyptian hieroglyphics that's on the stone. All that stuff is still there in Arabia, Mount Sinai. The Bible says, when the Lord came down upon that mountain, he came down in his glory. Jesus came down in his glory. And the people were terrified. fire and smoke and shaking and sounds and when he began to speak to them it was the voice of the creator of the universe and they were terrified and they told Moses tell him to shut up or we're going to die tell him to stop speaking tell him to go away we don't want to talk to him anymore They learned a reverence for Jesus Christ when he came down in his glory. 
And when you go over to Mount Sinai today, when you look at the video answering the atheist video number two, and you see the actual video of Mount Sinai today, and the top of it is still burnt up, the mountain's top is, is melted, they learned the reverence for Jesus that day. He's not just this lovable little warm, fuzzy blanket that you can wrap up in. He's God Almighty, creator of the universe, and he deserves that respect. He said the scriptures about him. We need to settle this right here and right now. It's not the Father. Nobody's seen the Father yet. No man has seen the Father yet. Jesus revealed the Father to us. And he'll be unveiled at the very end. We are part of Jesus' project. And he allowed you to be a part of it. And he wants you to be able to be with him when he reveals the Father. He made the way. He gave us the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. We couldn't live up to that standard. It's way too high for us. The Bible said the Ten Commandments were given to us to be a schoolmaster. To show us his standards way up there. And our standard is way down there. So Jesus came down to grab us and lift us up. We can't make it to his level. He'll have to take us there. You're never going to understand the Old Testament unless you understand that it's about Jesus and not about the Father. You could say that meeting the Father at the end is going to be the reward for following Jesus. He sent out his Son, who is every bit God as he is. And he sent out his Son to find you. He wants you to know who he is. So over 40 different men on several different continents over several thousand years penned manuscripts that were gathered together and put into one volume. This is not one book. Don't let somebody tell you this Bible is one book. When you go in a table of contents, it says the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Matthew, book of Mark, book of Luke. They're all independent books that have all been gathered together in one place. Right here. He did this because he wants you to know who he is. We'll deal with this name Jehovah in the next video. I apologize. I had no idea it was going to take this long to get to this point. We'll deal with the name Yahweh in the next video. Let you guys know where it came from. For right now, I don't want to overwhelm you with too much. This is going to be a video. You might want to go back, read it over, watch it over, labor over it, pray over it. I'm wanting you to understand this book. And to understand that the Jehovah of the Old Testament, that title is a title. It's not his proper name, like somebody's name Bob or Steve or Tom. It's just a title that means Lord. And that word Lord was designed in order to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Just like all the other titles that we talked about, they're all designed to point you to Jesus. I'm hoping this will help some of you guys out. 
and I apologize again for having to break it up into two parts, but in the next video, we will deal with this topic of the name Jehovah. I will tell you this. It was not invented by a monk. It was around long before Mr. Martini was ever born. But it's just a title. And that's where a lot of these religious movements go wrong. They convert it into a proper name and they build a religion around converting it into a proper name. And they end up destroying what Jesus was building when he used that title more than any other title because he wanted you to see that he is the Lord. If you're the Lord, you're the ruler. You're the one in charge. This is his universe. He made it. He makes the rules. There are times he's going to do things that you're not going to like. It's his project. He's going to do it his way. You got to trust him that he knows what he's doing. This world says only God has a right to judge. And then when you point out to them the judgments that God did, they get mad at God for judging. But this is his project. And he's already told us. He judged the world in the past with a flood. In the future, he's going to judge this world with fire. He already warned you. But he doesn't want you to get caught up in the fire of his wrath. So he's given you an opportunity to be forgiven. He died on a cross, beaten, whipped, ridiculed, found innocent after being interrogated. Yet they crucified him anyway. He said, nobody takes my life. I freely give it. Why? For you. He did it for you. Now, will you accept him for who he is? He's the God of both sides of the book. He said so. And God the Father even identified him as God and told the angels, worship him. Will you worship him today? It may be the first time you ever bow your knee in prayer to Jesus. The Bible already told you today is going to come when every knee is going to bow to him anyway. It's best to do it now rather than wait until later. I'm hoping this video helps you understand who Jesus is. Uh -huh.